Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. In this week's market update, the autumn statement is the main focus on this side of the Atlantic, while the US prepares for a short Thanksgiving week. Markets have continued to bounce back as better-than-expected inflation data on both sides of the Atlantic have confirmed investors' belief that central banks are now done with monetary tightening. The S&P 500 has risen by 10% since the end of October, clawing back almost all of its losses during the July to October correction. The US benchmark is now back within spitting distance of its late 2021 post-pandemic high point. It's a slightly different story here in the UK, where the FTSE 100 remains 500 points or so below its high point of 8,000 reached in February this year. But here too, the market has regained its previous pandemic high and the market is well off its recent low at the end of October. Last week saw US inflation resume its downward path, falling from 3.7% to 3.2%, while over here, a bigger than expected fall in the CPI from 6.7% to 4.6% showed that the UK is no longer quite the inflation outlier it has been. That's changed the outlook for the direction of interest rates significantly. The consensus is now that rates will be falling again by the middle of next year, a big change in just a few weeks from the previous belief that rates would stay high throughout 2024 and only really start easing in 2025. This week, we get to see the minutes from the Federal Reserve's meeting 10 days ago when the US central bank kept rates on hold for a second consecutive meeting. At the press conference after that meeting, Fed Chair Jay Powell warned that stronger economic data might yet force a further hike in rates. But the subsequent fall in inflation has changed that narrative in a more dovish direction. The Fed minutes are the main event in the US this week because Thursday brings the Thanksgiving holiday, which traditionally carries over into Friday for a long weekend when the main focus is on Black Friday and the traditional start of the Christmas shopping season. In reality, Black Friday is less of a day now than a longer running opportunity for retailers to drum up trade and kickstart the festive spending season. Certainly over here, retailers are in need of a boost as last week's retail sales data showing the weakest performance since February 2021 when the UK was in its third long winter lockdown nearly a year into the COVID pandemic. The volume of goods sold fell by 0.3% last month with shoppers buying less fuel and food as the cost of living crisis continues to bite, particularly in those two areas. Energy and food have suffered the greatest inflation rates of all over the past two years of rising prices. Retail sales are just the latest indicator in a series of data showing a stagnating economy. Recent figures showed that the UK economy flatlined between July and September this year, and the Bank of England doesn't expect much growth before 2025. That's the backdrop for the UK's big fiscal event this week, the autumn statement. This year's autumn budget is particularly in focus because it's likely to be one of the last opportunities for the government to put in place any crowd-pleasing tax and spend measures ahead of next year's likely general election. 
In theory, the election doesn't have to be held until January 2025. But in reality, no government chooses to go to the country in the winter. So a vote is more likely to be held in either May or June or the early autumn in September or October at the latest. In that context, speculation has risen that the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, has a few white rabbits ready to be pulled out of his red box. Areas in focus include the UK's complicated ISA regime, with the odds shortening on a simplification of the rules that currently prevent investors from putting money into ISAs from more than one provider in any tax year. Inheritance tax is another widely disliked levy that may be ripe for a pre-election tweak. Although there is quite a generous allowance before IHT kicks in, the rate at which it's paid, 40%, and the emotionally difficult time at which it's taken make it a good candidate for a pre-vote sweetener. Income taxes are another possible target for a Chancellor who's expected to have slightly more dry powder than he expected thanks to higher than forecast tax revenues. In focus, will be the thresholds for payment of both the basic and higher rates of income tax, which have been frozen until 2028, dragging many more people into more onerous tax bans. This so-called fiscal drag is a great ruse for cash-strapped governments because it allows them to gather more tax without having to suffer the unfavourable headlines that an actual tax hike would entail. But it's a kind of stealth tax that many people understand and dislike. Coming back to the financial markets, and with the year-end looming, investors are starting to assess the year just gone. More than that, they're looking at the market environment over the past couple of years since the pandemic sent shares plunging, and since when there have been some notable divergences in performance between different asset classes, investment styles, and stock market sectors. The dispersion between the best and worst performers over the past three or four years has been remarkable and in some cases surprising. Since the pre-COVID peak, the top performing asset, despite considerable volatility along the way, has been Bitcoin, which has outperformed even the so-called Magnificent Seven tech stocks, which have garnered most of the headlines. At the other end of the scale, the worst performer since the beginning of 2020 has been long-term government bonds, which have suffered from the return of inflation and the rise in interest rates that's followed. The poor performance of government bonds has been problematic for investors who had come to use bonds as a diversifier in their portfolios, behaving differently from equities and providing stability for savers approaching retirement. As I've mentioned on a few occasions here recently, government bonds are starting to look extremely interesting as an investment now that they offer a high initial yield and the prospect of a capital gain as and when interest rates start to fall. Lower rates make the fixed income on offer by bonds look more attractive, and all other things being equal, tend to push their prices higher. It's been calculated that if the S&P 500 consisted solely of the biggest seven tech stocks, it would today be worth over 9,300, more than twice its actual level, starting from the pre-COVID peak. If, on the other hand, it was just long maturity treasuries, it would be 2,500 on that basis. Of course, this is just a hypothetical thought experiment, but it illustrates the massive difference in performance and the importance of being in the right asset class. Now, picking winners is, of course, more difficult than it seems ahead of time. So the best 
most investors can hope for is that they at least capture some of that outperformance. And the only way of ensuring that is to be well diversified between assets and between regions. The two main drivers of markets are earnings and valuations. As we approach the end of 2023, it's a mixed bag on both fronts. Earnings are looking pretty good at the end of the third quarter results season, with profits around 4% higher than a year ago. That compares with a 3% fall in the first quarter and a 6% decline in the second. The cloud around that silver lining is that the double-digit forecasts for 2024 and 2025 are starting to come in a bit as investors begin to factor in the likelihood of recession on both sides of the pond next year. As for valuations, while not excessively high, the current rating of the US market, 19 times forecast earnings, is higher than might sensibly be implied by the current higher for longer interest rate environment. Arguably, that would see shares trading at maybe 13 times earnings. But with earnings growth positive, a fair value might be closer to 17 times. The stock market then is fully valued, but not excessively so. And the two-year sideways movement, excluding those tech stock leaders, may have a while to go yet. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.